Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Cover B Graphic Novelty. Yes, this is the special series, air quotes, special, special. series, <laughs> where we talk about graphic novels and all things in the graphic novel format. Uh, we this, haven't done many of these. We haven't done a ton of these uh, because we're constantly catching up on... Um, Single issues. Single issues. So <laughs> we need to go back and dive into some like other graphic novels and see like and do episodes. But that's in the future. Right now we get to talk about one which is fresh and new and that's exciting. Yeah. Uh, we are talking about Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips Pulp. Woo-hoo. Now we've talked about an Ed Brubaker Sean Phillips graphic novel before. Um, All My Heroes Are Junkies. Yes. Uh, and that one was really solid. This one is their take on a Western story. Um, and it was awesome. It was really good. I, I've mentioned in very recent episodes how I'm in love with the rise of neo-Western, uh, or I guess the renaissance of neo-Western that we're hitting. Um, I remember reading about this in a, uh, I think in the back of an issue of Criminal in like the, you know, at the end of a comic when, what is that? Like the letters section. Yeah. But it's not letters. It's just the writer being like, I'm going to give you my thoughts now. I'm going to talk about it. Um, And I remember <laughs> Brubaker saying he was hesitant uh, to do this, to do a Western. But it was Sean Phillips was like, I want to do a Western. <laughs> Come on. We uh, do it. Yeah. And uh, Brubaker was like, fine. And then he actually ended up writing it after he almost drowned, apparently. Oh, I saw an interview with him where he was talking about he got sucked into a riptide um, and oh, almost died. Oh, my God. And got rescued by some beachgoer, thankfully. Um, and thank you, Mr. Beachgoer. Yeah, and he almost drowned. And he, you know, he his mind knew what he was supposed to do in a riptide, like swim sideways along the shore. But he panicked and was fighting against it and oh. exhausting himself. And um. Yeah, and he, so this was like the first thing that he wrote out of that. And as we get into kind of the themes of everything in here, you'll definitely see that kind of play a factor. But um, yeah, what what did you think? I thought it was awesome. Um, here's, here's what stands out to me. And I feel like this might be a hot, bit of a hot take, but I'm okay with it. So I really like neo-Western. But I feel like there's a fine line in the neo-Western genre between human stories that make an impact and human stories designed for shock. Okay. So, like, there's this weird tendency in some neo-Western, particularly the, like, Cormac McCarthy type. Yeah. That, like... We're going to make this as brutal and unpleasant as we possibly can just to make you unhappy. We're going to strictly focus on the downtrodden and transgressive side. Yeah, kind of like these stories. This is very similar to the most recent, like The Last of Us 2. It's kind of neo-westerny in in its Mm. behavior and it's freaking miserable it is a slog and that's how i felt about cormac mccarthy like blood meridian is a miserable slog (laughs) and there is there's this tendency in neo-western sometimes not always to make it so that it feels like you're being punished for reading 
or participating in the art form. Like, you chose to participate in neo-Western, and now you're going to pay for it. And I don't like that. The world is hard enough as it is. I Now, don't get me wrong. I appreciate art. I recognize its value. I understand Mm -hmm. the purpose behind things. And sometimes you have to show the worst, most horrific sides of human nature and human experience. I get it. But that doesn't make it something I want to do. I don't choose to do that. It's a response to years of glorification of, you know, revenge-seeking killers and murderers. Right. And it's the idea that, you know, there's toxicity in the way the West was run and won, um, in that it was won by the bullet, it was won by the gun. And neo-westerns do tend to be very like hopeless they tend to be very like you at this point you go into something with that is like a neo-western revenge tale like the last of us 2 or undone by blood and or even this one in its own kind of way um you know and there's no expectation there that the hero is going to ride off into the sunset you look at your like red dead redemptions and it's like there's no expectation there that, you know, John Marston or Arthur Morgan are going to make it out of this story um, because, like, that's the point. Is and that-, that the West is this horrible beast. Like, uh, the, the reality is, like, the big shift between, like, Western and Neo-Western is that Neo-Western really took the West or kind of the... Because it, it doesn't have to be set in the Wild West to be... To function as a neo-western right um it took like the west or the concepts that you know we consider to be like wild west stories right and made those themselves the antagonist of the story absolutely and i completely and it, understand i'm not explaining that for you i know, right, right, I right. know you get that because we've talked about it endlessly but i'm just <laughs> yes you, you put into the ether you know hey neo-westerns are really negative and they make me sad and so now i'm putting the other side of that. Yes. No. And like I said, I fully understand that and I respect it, but there is a difference in my opinion between showing the hardness and how difficult it is Mm -hmm. and making it like so miserable. It's like an unfunny Mr. Magoo tale. Like you compare the last of us Two and red dead redemption. Red dead redemption was also a tale of vengeance and everything, but it was incredibly like, it, it wasn't a slog. And that's how I felt about this book. This okay. book wasn't a slog. It's a revenge tale. It's got like, you know, it doesn't necessarily have a happy ending. Mm-hmm. Things don't wrap up with a little bow. But I didn't feel like every twist and turn was designed to be the worst possible outcome in the worst possible way. Yeah. It felt like it felt more organic. It felt more natural, like something could actually happen because just as much as a story that ends with everything perfect and sunshiny doesn't necessarily feel real. A story in which the worst possible outcome always happens in every situation, in every scenario and every day. That doesn't seem real either mm. because life is ups and downs. And this book does a great job in the Western genre of depicting the ups and the downs. Yeah. He loses family. 
he gains a new companion. Yeah. He loses connections. He gains a new path in life. Like there are ups and there are downs and you may end on a down, but that doesn't mean that you didn't have ups at some point. And that to me is how the depiction should be in this genre. It's very hundred years of solitude. Yes. You know? Yes. Like one of those life pieces where it's like, yeah, you know, there will be negative moments in life, but there's going to be high moments. Exactly. And, you know, we catch um, this. So, that, you know, the, the protagonist of this book is a elderly comic book writer um, named Max Winters. Um, and he is currently writing pulps, Western pulps uh, for, you know, a nondescript pulp company in 1939. Um, we are catching him obviously towards the end of his life. Like he's not the young book that he used to be. He's not spry. And as the story progresses, <laughs> we find out that he is actually writing these stories based on him. He himself was this rambunctious, you know, what does he call himself? Like the red kid or something like that. And, um, he was doing these typical wild west things the red river kid is the person in the story and he himself was like the red rock kid or something yeah. like that um and he didn't make I a mean, lot of changes first of all yeah first of all i think the cool like one cool thing that stood out to me about this is i feel like you like at least i do and i feel like this is a general sentiment it might not be i don't know but um i often forget how close the wild west was to what we think of as like not wild west society anymore, like more modernized society. Like, you know, the wild west technically ended when the final Western territories were declared as States. That was in 1912. Oh, wow. You know? So like eight years later, you've got like the roaring twenties and that's like eight years after the wild west was still a thing. Like the late That's 1880s crazy. and 1890s were still Wild West, like gunslinging, like pew, 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 like frontier kind of crazy crap. It was only and like 30 years later that John Wayne was even making movies about it. So like it's not that far removed. Yeah. That's and that's the wild. thing. I think, you know, I forget what they uh, they established, like they date this this guy's journey um, in this book. I forget how old they make him out to be but i mean he's in his like 70s you know yeah. I mean? and that's fully possible like people in 1939 like at the cusp of world war ii were surviving wild west individuals that's you know that's what i mean like crazy it is really weird to think about that and cattle rustlers and banditos could all still be alive at the point in time hitler's taking over germany which is when this book takes place and it, you know, it's it's crazy to think about how close certain historical moments are. Yeah. You know, like I um, I'm currently playing Soul Calibur six and I know Soul Calibur isn't really like the most historically accurate thing, <laughs> but it made me realize like how old guns are. Like I often forget how old like rifles and stuff are. Right. But like they're old as hell. They've been yeah. around for a long time. Yeah. So like. You know, you would have like samurais and rifles interacting at the same time. You know what I mean? Like, I was actually thinking about that the other day as well, because like you think of how old you think America's so old. But realistically, like 
1776 was only a few hundred years ago. Mm-hmm. And in the microcosm of the world, we're like infancy. Yeah. And it, it feels so long, but it's so not long. Yeah. It's it's just crazy to think of how many things you kind of accept as like very separate time periods. Yeah. But are very like close. And yeah. how people have survived you know because we're always amazed when we're like oh man she lived through world war ii and vietnam and wow she's so old and she's experienced so much but those are still all very like modern age things yeah so it's like when you realize that these like older things interacted these like big shifts in like you know industrial revolution and stuff like that like these big shifts in the dynamic of the world existed within like years of each other and it's like it's, it's just super crazy to strange. think about. Um, but yeah, so I, I thought that was a really cool aspect of this book. You know, we go through his life. He is vastly approaching the the end, and he knows it. He's having some heart problems. He eventually gets wrapped up with an old acquaintance of his. I won't spoil anything. Um, and then ultimately decides to go out his way. Um And I think that's really what this book boils down to. And that's where like the neo-Western tones, it's not really a revenge story as much as it is a man deciding his own mortality, a man choosing how he's going to go out, how he's going to be remembered, how he's going to live. There is an element of revenge. There is an element of revenge. Um, Yeah that that dictates the whole thing but it's not like one of these long like start of the story someone we care about dies end of the story we've killed the guy but we've also died killed a part of ourselves book book close <laughs> yeah um it's it's not the revenge isn't what dictates the story it's about a man trying to wrestle with the idea that his past is no longer desirable in terms of he can't sell it anymore. Yeah. And, you know, the company's hired some, like, young kid to write his stories about his life cheaper. Yep. And so he, you know, no longer is glorified as, like, this fictional character. He can't write the story the way it happened. Or the way he wants it to have happened, even. Yeah, the way his life went or the ideal kind of course of his life isn't sellable, isn't you know like the editor doesn't want it yeah he's like no more shooting please (laughs) um and so now here he is like you said he's he's on to like a new stage of his life you know compared to other things that have happened he's got a different companion that he's been with for a while he's got a different job you know what i mean like he's looking at the world around him and seeing people be bullies and be aggressive and he just doesn't have this anger this fire in him anymore and now he's dying and it's like you know do you go out with a bang or with a whimper yeah and i think that's just a really cool like it's it's a really cool take on the neo-western idea where you basically have a character who's aware of his position as this like gunslinging western badass right at some point in his life right and now he's seeing that active glorification of those characters he was one of those yeah you know and now he's like 
he has to wrestle with like where does his own personal narrative go where does he take it you know yeah and in an extension like us reading this book is kind of a weird meta way of connecting to these fictional red river kid books that he's putting in here you know what i mean like we don't get to he doesn't get to print the life and the end of the story and he says in there like he you know i think we should show people's lives as a tapestry and not you know the same thing every day like we should show that people evolve and like have periods where they change and stuff like that and we're effectively seeing the end of his tapestry but we know the rest of the tapestry because he tells us right and kind of gives us little blips of what happened in his life um and so it's like a weirdly meta like there's a book in here that we can't read and we see some snippets of from like his flashbacks and stuff but we're kind of in a weird way seeing the last chapter of that book that isn't going like to get his published. His own real, <laughs> quote unquote, real life is the last chapter of that book. Yeah. The lost chapter, as it were, that we have access to, but the people in the world that are reading these books will don't. never have access to. Yeah. And it's, I don't know, it's kind of a cool, it's like, a cool meta way. Meta thing. Um, um, that the use of the book within a book is actually one of the things I wanted to highlight because I really enjoy the use of kind of like a comic within a comic um because that's kind of the like vibe i get like mm-hmm. the way that they depict it is that it's sort of like you're reading it opens with you reading his like last pulp and yeah. or one of his last pulps and then you break into the actual story of it and i think that's a really cool thing that's also done in um bendis's cover Mm -hmm. um where you have the comic artist or the the comic writer kind of like doing his own thing and doing his daily stuff but then you have snippets of what he's working on infused in the story and it sort of like doubles down on what is being done like it doubles down on the the themes of the book but it gives you like different perspectives it gives you a kind of hint into their mindset it it's just really cool like i loved that in cover i thought cover was one of the best books that bendis has put out recently and so like having that like double play of like their external experiences plus the internal experiences of their thought processes of these other books it's just really cool like it's such a cool use of the medium it's such a cool play of like distinguishing between what's in their head and what's not and like what they're writing and how they're feeling and it's, how they're not yeah it's it's, it's a just me in my opinion it's a type of meta and i don't know if i'm making this connection just because we've made this i feel like we've made this connection a lot lately and it might be worthwhile doing some sort of like critical episode where we talk about the strengths and weaknesses of different mediums um but I feel like that's a type of meta that's really only effective in like the visual mediums. Yeah. So like comics and movies versus like novels. Cause like there are plenty of novels. There's like endless novels to the point where for the love of God, if you're a writer, don't make your character a writer um, <laughs> that deals with like, I am a writer. My books are somehow connected to the mystery around me. And like, 
you know, you'll have like little snippets of their book like come into play and it's like in little like block quotes and it's fine, but it's like it's just reading a book on top of reading a book. But in like visual mediums, you can really bleed those worlds together. Yeah. Um, And even better if the person in your story also deals in the same visual medium. So if you have I don't have a reference point for this because I can't think of one. I don't know if I've seen one. But say you had like a movie character who was an actor or a filmmaker and you like bled those worlds together in the overall narrative of the movie versus like whatever movie he was currently making. Um, and then in this, you know, you yeah. have somebody who makes comics and you have that world kind of bleeding together mm-hmm. to tell, you know, a simultaneous narrative. Uh but utilizing these different elements for different purposes. And it just, you can, the way that you do that, and like I said, in this one, they established very early on that he wants to, he wants to be seen as a tapestry. Yeah. He wants his life to be seen as not just like the rootin' tootin' gun shooting that he did. You know what I mean? He wants to, he himself enjoys the full story. You know, and he talks about times he was injured and talks about times that he lost people close to him and stuff like that. Um, And that's why he wants to get published the like, I go to Mexico and start a farm story, you know, because that's what he did. And he liked that part of his life. And he it's important to him that that is part of his whole story. And so, you know, really, at the end of the day, you have a man who is part of a story. So, like, earlier, you know, I was talking about it. It's a man who wants to, like, own his own mortality. And that's true. But, like, his awareness of himself as this character in a story and in a meta way, a character in this story, the one that we read. Yeah. Um, means that in addition to, like owning his mortality, deciding how he goes out, like choosing to go out with a bang and avenging a friend and stuff like that, um, you know, is him deciding his own narrative. Yeah. And does he know anyone will read it? I mean, we read it, (laughs) which he'd probably love, you know, but it's, you know, your life is your tale. It's your tapestry. It's what you leave behind. And, you know, this is a struggle of a man who's like, do I want to die from a heart attack or do I want to once again, like, strap up and be a hero? Go into do, battle. You know, do, yes, the West was entirely controlled by bad people and I was one of those bad people. But sometimes it takes bad people to be able to take down other bad people. Yeah. You know, and that's. In a time where the world is being consumed by Nazis. Ugh. That's a really important yeah. message. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's true. It's it's true. I think the last thing that I really wanted to speak to is that I loved how the book ends in that the last line of the book is just simply something like, well, and that's that's how my story ends. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so just like, well, that's it. That's how it all happened. Anyway, that's how it all happened. Yes, yeah, that's it's so And that that book ends with the front um where he says uh like literally how it starts is just I can tell you when it all started. 
on the day I almost died for the third time. It's the first line of the book. And so he's telling a story. Like, and they just... He is literally controlling this story. And that's what he wanted. He wanted to be able to like tell his story the way he wanted to tell it. And I think that kind of plays into the, you know, do you go out with a bang or do you go out with a whimper? Because, like, technically he goes out with a bang, but, like, if you look at the story, the story ends with a whimper. Just like, mm -hmm. anyway, that's how it happened. Yep. Anyway, that's, that's what it was. You can almost feel the, like, shrug that accompanies it. Like, well, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you're like, yeah. what? What? <laughs> There you have it. It's such uh, a funny juxtaposition to me. Like, I don't know. I really enjoyed that. I was like, <laughs> it, yeah. it like has all this like momentum and like, you know, it's it's sweet, but it's like traumatic. And there's just like all these emotions. And it's just like, but well, <laughs> I was like, I like that. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It just sort of it struck me and I enjoyed it. Yeah, I dig it. I, I really, really like this one. Everyone I've hooked up with one of these has come back and told me like hey that was great it's got <laughs> cowboys it's got nazis it's got an old man taking control of his life it's good like it's just a very very good story and sean phillips art again shines through oh absolutely um, i highly highly recommend this one you definitely need to get your hands on it and the brubaker sean phillips graphic novels they're just nice they're a nice size they come in you know, contained in like a sexy little hardcover. Yeah. They're not exceptionally large, so they're not hard to store. Like they're just basic comic size. Also, not to be that nerd, but like I love the font of the title. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. It's so good. So I mean, start to finish, it's got a nice spine. So if you put it on a bookshelf, you can see where it is. Sometimes graphic novels will have either like their name real tiny or they'll just have like an art spine and it's like, <laughs> what am i looking at so yeah very very good highly recommended lots of shooting lots of nazis uh lots it's a of, rootin tootin yeah. good time it's a rootin tootin <laughs> nazi shooting hooting nanny um and i i highly recommend you pick up a copy so yes definitely and that's going to do it for us today yep. if you want more cover b including our other ed brubaker graphic novelty you can find that episode and all of our past episodes on our website coverbpodcast.com you can find more information about the industry more comic news and fun things that have been found on the interwebs by following us on social media mm -hmm. on facebook and twitter at cover podcast you can follow chris and i on our daily lives in, on instagram we both have one um each of us separately mine is considerably more active than his but oh yeah I that's okay. Quarantine has not been kind to my Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> and if you are into video games, be sure to check out our variety stream on Twitch. We game six days a week. Uh, Wednesdays actually is Chris. So Ooh. be sure to come and check us out. Tink Tink Games Wee. on Twitch. And yeah, I think I think that summarizes all of yep. our ridiculous it's busy schedule, crazy right? Crazy projects that we <laughs> put upon ourselves. Yes. Awesome. Well, get out there. Get that book. And we will see you on the next episode of Cover Me. Bye, guys. Bye, everybody.